Crystal. I'm from New Jersey. Um, I have two ostomies. I have a colostomy and a urostomy stoma. That is due to the cancer I had that I found out last year. Um, I had sarcoma cancer. Um, the type of sarcoma cancer I had was MPNST, which is a peripheral, a malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumor, which can grow anywhere in the pelvic area and more or less along the nerves. So how we kind of um, figured this out was back in February, I couldn't pee one night and it was getting very painful. So my husband rushed me to the ER down the street where they had to catheterize me and 800 milligrams of urine wow. came out. Yeah. Even the nurses were like, how did your bladder not burst? Yeah. So kind of from there, they recommended a urologist. Right. And they thought it was a bladder issue. They put me on Flomax. Then two weeks later, the same issue happened again where I couldn't pee. And 600 milligrams of urine came out after they catheterized me. So then I had to fight for a CT scan because they wanted to do a just a catheter bag in the meantime. I'm like, something's wrong. We need to do a CT scan. So from the CT scan, that's when they saw there was a mass pressing against my uterus. But the MRI later showed that the mass was actually in my pelvic area, pressing against the rectum, my bladder, and in the uterus type area. So from there, this was all throughout the year, um, I went to a surgical oncologist and a regular oncologist who prescribed three rounds of chemo, four days inpatient. I was only able to do one and a half of the chemo because I experienced bladder bleeding with one of the chemos. So from there, they did a CT scan. They saw that the mass did not shrink. And there were that's when they said, oh, you're most likely to have a colostomy bag. Right. So yeah. So from there, they kept on then saying, well, we don't know until we do the surgery. We don't know. We don't know. And that kind of made me feel a little bit nervous. So then I actually switched to a cancer facility, meeting a doctor who actually specialized in sarcoma. And then after meeting with his team is when they said, no, you're definitely going to have a colostomy bag and a permanent urostomy bag as well. Right. So, so did you have any bowel symptoms up until that point at all? Was there anything coming on in that area or was it just? Yeah, I, I actually had Crohn's disease. I actually have Crohn's disease as well. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So that wasn't a major factor into the colostomy. It was more that in order to get 100% clearance, they had to take out the... Um, bladder part of my rectum which of course I had the protectomy surgery as well mm. they had to take I had to do a partial hysterectomy where they took out my uterus fallopian tubes but I was able to keep my ovaries so a lot was done with that and also getting those two um, ostomy bags as well wow so was this all done like in one one go or was it kind of spread yep. out this, the situation it was all one all one in one go yep so literally had, like urostomy, colostomy, and Barbie bun. Yep. Yep. Oh, and wow. the partial hysterectomy and as well. How many hours of surgery was that? It was originally, the doctor told my husband, eight to 10 hours. It was actually a 14-hour surgery. Whoa. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. It started at 7 a.m. in the morning, and it went to all the way at night. And the doctors told my husband, we're just going to put her more under anesthetic until the following morning when she wakes up. And I guess when you woke up, I mean, well, obviously you, you're on a lot of pain meds, but when you start to come off oh, yeah. pain meds, how did you feel? Like, how does it feel? Like, how did you feel? Oh, I was like, 
I was so out of it because they yeah. had me on all the pain medications. Yeah. I'm like, so I kind of felt upset. Like, of course I was upset because it was yeah. a whole new light for me. Not only did I have these two bags I had to get used to, but also the fact that I had this hysterectomy and everything else, yeah. it was all in one. It was a lot to handle in one go. It was a lot like mentally to handle. Like I was upset and like almost crying due to, you know, because I was in New York because mother is on that um, Memorial Sloan Kettering. So I was in New York while I live in Jersey. So mm. I had visitors every day, but I'm just like, I just want to be home, like the hospital and everything else. It was just very depressing for me. How long was your recovery in the hospital after your surgery? Two weeks. So it was a two week recovery time where they would ease me off the um, pain medications through the IV. And then they would slowly get me on, you know, the pain medication oral, orally and everything. Um, and then from there, once they kind of managed my pain, then they sent me home. And of course, they had to can take into consideration my blood work, my temperature level and everything else. So since then, obviously, have you are you now in remission or is like is, is your treatment still ongoing? Yeah. So after the surgery, my oncologist said no more chemo. You yeah. are in remission. So I don't have to go for chemo anymore. And I have been in remission since the removal of October of last year. Um, and if you're curious, the size of the mass, as my doctor said, was the size of a small cantaloupe. Wow. And they don't know how long it's been growing inside me. That's mad. And literally your main symptoms were just not being able to wee. That's yeah. the main, like, was there, there was no other like pains or aches or anything like that. Nothing. It was just, I couldn't pee one night. And then I had that pain and then that led to the CT scan and everything else. And before that, were you, because you said you have Crohn's disease, how old were you when you were diagnosed with Crohn's? Like, how are you managing that? I was 17 years old. I was a senior in high school. Um, of course, after the first colonoscopy, they had me on different types of medications like Pentaza, Melisalazine, yeah. um, and everything else. And I was on medication for a long time until I was in remission. And the doctor at the time was like, okay, you can stop medication. You have no symptoms. And then I didn't have any symptoms for a while until my now um, gastrologist wanted to check everything. And he said, it's still kind of active in your small intestine and everything. Right. Let's put you on, which I just started recently, Skyrizi. Okay. And is that a, like an immune therapy type drug? Yeah. So it's, uh, I had to go for three infusion injections. Yeah. And then after that, it's the little cartridge that I have oh, to okay. pick up and then give myself once every eight weeks. And I don't ever, on this podcast, I don't think I've ever had anybody from the States before. So I, I find it so fascinating to hear about how, because obviously, you know, I do, have, I follow a few people in the States mm -hmm. who are dealing with like one of the main problems, I guess, over there is is the insurance side of things. How, oh. how has that been for you? Like, can you explain to people in the UK what it's like with the insurance in the States? Like, how does it work? Yeah. So the best way I can describe it is depending on the type of medical thing that you need. It has to get approved by insurance first before wow. you even go forward with the procedure, the scans and everything else. Um, and sometimes there's no time for that. Sometimes you just have to yeah. get the scan done right away, depending if you have maybe like a fever hike, like heightened and there's something internally they need to review. And sometimes insurance will deny it. Then you have to talk to your doctor to fight with the insurance to get them to approve it. So it's all based on the insurance really has to approve. Like my insurance had to approve my procedure in order for me to get it. Thankfully, they did. But it was kind of like, oh, 
okay, I could possibly die from this and yeah. I have to wait on your approval. That's fun. <laughs> so that's the main struggle. And I'm still struggling with that right now with a few things that they've denied and I'm still fighting. <laughs> it sounds like just such unnecessary extra stress on top of everything you're going through, having to deal with like almost all of that admin and paperwork as well. I can imagine. Oh. Insane. It definitely is. And my husband was saying, what happens if you didn't have certain family or friends around you to help? Or what happens if you were in a state where you couldn't fight for yourself? So that was that was like a thought too, that I'm grateful to have people around me to help. But then I think of those people who don't have someone to help fight these insurance companies on their behalf. And the money as well. I can imagine the costs. Like, obviously, I, yeah. I, I don't know how it works over there, but I mean, I guess what happens if you, you can't afford like medical insurance, then what, what do you do? Unfortunately, they don't really teach us a lot of that stuff when like in school or anything. So it's more of a, you get from what I understand, you have a deductible that you pay towards your insurance. Yeah. So let's say your insurance is your deductible is like $2,500. You have to pay outright the $2,500 and then things will become more lessened. Um, yeah. That's the one thing here in the States, they don't really teach you in school. Yeah or really provide any type of classes to understand insurance. And I think that's where a lot of people eventually give up on insurance because they can't fully understand it. And they're like, okay, whatever, I'll just have to pay this. And like, especially because I guess now for you with your urostomy and your colostomy, you have to get bags. And just, do you have to pay for that per month, like for your, all your supplies? Yeah. So what's really weird is that, of course, we have to go through a medical type company. So the way it works for me is the way the representative explained it. Since I have two ostomies, I technically have two accounts. One account is for the colostomy and the other account is for the urostomy. So the urostomy supplies I get every three months. I usually get a three-month supply. And then for the colostomy, I usually get a year's worth of the supplies. But with the urostomy, depending if I have leaks, I can run out of those bags very quickly. Yeah, because that happens here as well. We get given a certain like amount, but like if you run out, then obviously you need to to get more stuff. Oh, exactly. And that's when I call my ostomy nurse and cry because I'm like, I need supplies. Can I stop by and pick some up? But that's when it just gets more infuriating. I actually had something last weekend where I had to stay at my dad's because I had a few doctors up near him. And I was missing an adapter I needed for oh, my urost for my night drainage bag, so I don't have to keep getting up at yeah, night yeah, yeah. and everything. And what happened was we end up going to the store trying to find some tubes to cut up to try to make you know something to connect. Unfortunately, oh, the mm. thing my dad made didn't work, and I ended up leaking at night. So. That's like, this is literally something that, I mean, I don't know if you've seen, this is something that through my social media, I'm sort of campaigning Mm -hmm. for the moment, like obviously in the UK right now, but I would love it to be an international, like an international thing where, you know, if you're an ostomate, you're able to go into like, you know, the the pharmacy or or somewhere and get that emergency supply if you, if you need it, you know what I mean? Having to wait for the supplies to come to you because it doesn't always work that way. You, You might, you know, we all have emergencies at times where we need to just get stuff. And, yes, you know, like if you're especially like with you, if you're, if you're traveling somewhere or going somewhere else, like I went abroad recently and I realized I had packed enough stuff and I was panicking because I was like, oh, my God, like if like now I'm abroad, like if I can't get hold of something, you know, what do you do? Exactly. Or if they lose your luggage and you have extra supplies yeah. in your luggage, what do you do? Because it's not your fault. You came prepared. <laughs> 
No, it's crazy. But I mean, especially like for yourself as well, because you, you're you're dealing like obviously dealing with two bags as well, not just yeah. one bag. You're having to remember, I guess, so many so many products day to day. Like, how, do, do you manage that well? Being able to remember all your products. I always tend to miss one thing. Yeah. Um, I recently went on vacation. I went on a cruise for a week. So I literally was sitting on the floor with Ziploc bags with my checklist, trying to make sure I packed enough bags. I'm like, oh my gosh, once if I have a leak, what happens? You know, some like, I don't know, something happens on the aircraft and they lose my luggage. How much supplies do I pre-cut? So it's more, uh, it's more of a hassle, like with these two bags, even though they saved my life, that there's a lot of things you have to remember packing. And how have you kind of processed having the two bags like mentally? Like how is it has it impacted you in any way? I guess like how have you learned to come have you come to a place of acceptance? Yeah. So in the beginning, I was very upset and almost kind of depressed in a way because all of this was happening at once. I couldn't sit up due to healing of the protectomy surgery. And dealing with these bags in the beginning, since I didn't have a lot of energy. The bag changes took an hour for me. God, yeah. And the and my urostomy was the worst because since you know it takes eight weeks for the ostomy to go to its normal size, I would be leaking at least three times a day. Oh. I would have to change my urostomy three times a day. The colostomy I kind of got a handle on, but the urostomy dealing with was the worst in the beginning. And as time went on, when I came to a you know a routine. And the leaking stopped with the help of my ostomy nurse choosing the right products. That's where I kind of got in a better mental space because I finally had the routine and the whereabouts and the bags I needed when I didn't have that in the beginning. And you've also shared, you know, your story as well on social media. Like, how did you feel like, when did you come to the realization that you wanted to talk about your story, you know, online? In the beginning, because like being, of course, you were one of the creators I followed in the beginning on like my personal like Instagram page. And I'm like, they and doing more research, there wasn't a lot of people like I'm 31 who had two ostomies. And sarcoma is a very rare cancer as well. Mm. So I figured I wanted to use my platform to kind of say, hey, you know, it's not going to be easy in the beginning. I want to give some tips and tricks tips and tricks to people who have two ostomies to say, it's going to take some time. Don't force yourself to be happy. Have yourself go through that mental process first. And then you'll be able to, when you're ready, fully accept it. It took a while for me. It took about five months for me to fully grasp the fact having two ostomies because I'm five foot. So even having two ostomies is covering covering my whole stomach as well. So finding the right products and clothing as well got me back into that confidence space. Because that's the thing, like I'd heard about people who obviously have two bags, but mm-hmm. I hadn't really ever seen it on social media. Yeah. Like, it's not so, like I'd seen obviously people with stoma bags, but not two stoma, ba- stoma bags. Right. So when I saw your account, I was like, oh, this is so refreshing because it's really fantastic to see somebody actually showing that side of things, which I know there are definitely thousands of people out there who mm-hmm. are in the same situation and probably feel like you know quite alone if they're not seeing that type of content yeah that's how I felt because they even when I mentioned to my awesome nurse I'm like is there anyone I can talk to around my age who has to she's like unfortunately it's very rare for someone your age to have yeah so it was like okay and not that I don't want to talk to someone that's older it's more of they probably had a different routine and a different Mm -hmm. outlook than someone of course 
around someone like around my age range would have in a sense well that's the thing as well isn't it it's like there's so many people who are older that have been through these surgeries but actually finding people who are younger and like you know even for I guess especially for yourself if you want to talk about the fertility side of things that's yeah. something that would be more difficult to talk about with somebody who's like in their 50s and 60s you'd want to kind of find somebody who might be in a similar position to yourself I mean would you would you like to have children or or not yeah, it's something that my husband and I discussed. I always wanted to be a mom growing up and everything. Yeah. And in before I got the surgery or before I even started chemo, I was going to try to see if we can extract eggs through my ovaries. Um, but the issue was my doctor was a little hesitant because since the mass was so close and almost pushing on an ovary, they yeah. were afraid that if they were to do a the I think the needle way they were explaining, it would accidentally pop the mass. Right. That's really more. Yeah, then more medical issues could arise. So that's when I made the decision. I'm like, okay, um, I, this would have to be down the line. I still do have my ovaries, so I can do surrogacy, IVF, yeah. or any of those. But of course, it's a little bit pricey. <laughs> yeah, I can. Oh, that's another thing. Yeah, you don't think about obviously like where you, you live and stuff like the just yeah cost. And also, you've been through so much so recently. Yeah. Like, it's completely natural to just want to have a, I guess, a break from all yeah. of bodding and poking yeah no more I just want I'm like I just wanted to have no surgery I don't want to like deal with anything for a little while I need a break <laughs> well yeah exactly and has your partner been supportive during this time like how has he like supported you oh 100% he's been there like to hear me talk and rant and just like when I'm dealing with medical companies he was always by my side in these doctor's offices he's the one of course along with my in my in-laws actually took care of me while I was recovering. Yeah. Because my husband worked and my in-laws are retired. So they, of course, accepted me in their house for about three months because I couldn't really be by myself at that point. And with that, the support of my husband helping me shower because I couldn't stand up by myself just really about just yet because I had the two bags, the JP drains and everything else. Um, so he was basically helping me bathe and helping me take care of myself during that time. And after you'd had the two bags as well, did you feel like comfortable to be able to show your body to him straight away? Or like, how did, how did you feel about that? Yeah. So he saw them straight from the beginning because I didn't feel safe being in the bathroom by myself. Right. Because, um, so he stood in the bathroom with me, even helped me do my bag changes as well because I needed him to learn mm. just in case if something were to happen. Yeah. So he was more like on set ready to learn and everything as well and he was watching me and everything that's literally so amazing you know because I know for many people in the community one of the main fears they have is about being accepted by the opposite sex you know relationships yes. and how being intimate I suppose you know like if, if they have even like one stoma bag or two stoma bags you know what I mean like so it's really fantastic that you have that support that made you feel so com comfortable during that time and that was one of the things too I was even worried about. I was worried in the beginning that my husband was gonna not gonna be attracted to me anymore. And he's like, Don't be silly. Like, we've been together for like seven years now. You know I love you no matter what. So that was very comforting, just hearing that. Um, and going back to the mental health thing, one story I'll share is it was the first time I was showering really at home. And I still had my two JP drains. I had the bags. I see my long scar because my scars are a little bit below my chest area all the way down I, to yeah. the vagina area, of course. And just that was the first time I saw my body in full standing up. And 
I started crying and I said, like, I look like a monster because I had all of these things. And I saw my husband get all teary-eyed. He's like, no, you're not. Like, in time, you'll heal. So, and just even thinking about that, where I was mentally to today is very, makes me upset because I'm yeah. not like that at all. It can be very triggering. Like, even for myself, if I see, like, old photos of that time and stuff, like, you you, you think back to how you were during that time and it, and it really can, like, trigger something in you, like, to know how low you you yeah. were. And you thought that, and you were also during that time, you don't know if there's like the end of the tunnel of it all. You just yeah, think exactly. like, my life's over. Nothing's ever going to be good again in my life, which we obviously know isn't true. But at the time, it's so hard to process those feelings. Oh, 100%. And even after too, I actually had to go for surgery again in December because my, the protectomy surgery, yeah. um, it completely opened back up. So oh. I had dissolvable stitches. And then right. upon inspection, I had to go back for surgery again and they had to sew me up with nylon stitching that mm-hmm. time. So it was 12 weeks where I couldn't sit and that oh, was also God. not fun. <laughs> that does not sound pleasant at all. Did you have to have that surgery? Um, yeah, yeah, I had that done last, last, last August. Yeah, last August. How but, was that for you? Well, it was really it was really weird because my first surgery that I had, which was the, the stoma surgery, was because uh, when I had my stoma surgery done, I was so unwell beforehand that like my recovery was really bad um I was in hospital for eight weeks oh wow after my stoma surgery I was really really ill so for me like going into having the barbie bum surgery my expectations were like very low (laughs) I just thought like you know if I can recover in some kind of way I'll be fine because I'd already been through such a bad time I didn't I didn't think it could get any worse you know yeah so I was pleasantly surprised you know when I went in and I had the surgery and I was out like I think I was out within eight days or something like that. And um, yeah, it was a bit uncomfortable for me, like, but it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as my first surgery because I was so unwell during my first surgery. I, but I think if I hadn't had the really bad experience beforehand, <laughs> and I just had that surgery, then I'd be like, oh yeah, this is so bad. But I think because I'd had such a bad experience, like yeah. anything l- less than that, I was, I was just happy and grateful that I wasn't in the hospital for a long, long time, you know? yeah (laughs) very low expectations but yeah it's 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 one of those surgeries as well that I think people get very like worried about the barbie bum Mm. surgery people really like fear it but I mean for me I mean obviously everyone's different but for me personally since I've had it my life my quality of life has been so much better because I was bleeding every day for my like and it was excruciating for me even with your stoma and everything yeah. So oh I, I had, cause my, cause I have um, colitis. So my colitis okay. was like in my um, intestine and also in my rectum. So I was just bleeding all the time. Um, oh. I just couldn't live like that. It wasn't a life, you know, even after yeah. my stoma, I, I was, I, I was in pain in my bum. So I had to have it taken out. And then since doing that, like, and since the recovery, it's just been so much better but everybody has different experiences with the body everybody's got different like conditions and diseases so some people will have like you know um like fissures um in their in their bottom which then obviously makes it really hard for you to recover if you have a barbie bump surgery so people won't always recover properly in that way so like everyone's so different but for me it's been it's been really good okay that's good to hear because I hear different experience for some people where it was horrible or yeah, yeah, yeah. Like myself, they had to go through surgery again. Yeah. 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 Oh, that happens a lot. 
Yeah. Or they're after surgery, they're able to sit. And I'm, they're like, I would, cause I would go often through Reddit or like through Instagram asking people what they would do because it was even depressing me not to be able to sit. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. So that, and everyone's like, my doctor said I can sit right away. And I'm just like, hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Everyone's experience is so different. It's even the same with stoma surgery. Some people have like their stoma created and then they have to go and get it re- refashioned because it's not yeah. working and they have to have another stoma. You know, it's like everybody is so different. So you can't compare even your experience with anybody else's because oh, yeah. everyone's is so completely different. Yeah. And some of the stories are amazing. I heard one story, someone got her stoma because I think I they're on a podcast and I think the doctor punctuated something when they were getting um, a C-section, I think. And then yeah. she got her ostomy for a while. I'm like, oh my God. It's like all different types of reasons that you would never oh, yeah. think of. Someone I spoke to who had um, had to have a stoma because um, they made an error when they were doing a hysterectomy. And she ended up oh having a stoma. Yeah, because they punctured it. And that and that actually happens more often than you would think, you know, that during like C-section, hysterectomy, those types of operations that people end up getting punctures and then they have to have a stoma bag, which is just like, obviously, I think that's even worse if that happens. Yeah. Not even in any pain beforehand. You just had a doctor basically mess you up. Yeah. Or and then or you go into surgery and then you wake up and you're, you see this bag on you and you're like, what? the hell happened this wasn't part of the plan no naturally that would freak me out loads I would I would not be happy about that like whatsoever same I think if you've been like really unwell for a long period of time or you know you need to have it done to save your life you can mentally get your head around it a lot easier because you're like I need I need this like to have a quality of life yes that's what I did in the beginning the minute I found out about the colostomy I instantly YouTubed I Instagrammed I did and I'm so grateful for social media in that aspect because it was easier to comprehend a little bit from there. Well, this is the thing as well. I do think sometimes like back to maybe like even say 10, 20 years ago, like how difficult I think I would have found it if I hadn't been able to see anybody on the yeah. internet or or talk to anybody going through the same thing. I would have felt like a complete alien, you know? <laughs> Whereas like now it's amazing because you can literally at the click of a button, you can talk to so many people who are going through the exact same thing yeah that's what it's amazing <laughs> yeah it's 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 just amazing how times medically too are different and how people can connect so easily like we like 10 years ago like you'd never be able to like have yeah. this sort of chat across like right <laughs> across the you know pond like to have a chat about like this kind of stuff I think it's so great how technology has enabled people to connect you know it's one of the pl- I mean there's lots of downsides to social media yeah, this isn't of one of them this is actually something positive yes or you get those comments from those people like you have a stoma you should clear it up with those herbal pills that we oh. have visit our site I'm like yes sure just like it's so hard in the beginning when you're going through things because, you know, when you tell people and they don't know anything really about your condition and they want to give advice and they think they're like being kind and helping you, but actually you're like, oh, you don't really understand yeah. what I'm going through. I don't need this sort of advice. Yeah. Like, you know, like change your diet or why don't you try some exercise? It's like, that's not going to cure yeah. this, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and me telling my family about this, I had to educate them 
and kind of let them understand why I needed it, what's my process and everything. And even explaining it to my grandmother because my mom passed from cancer, a different one that I had. But her seeing me now, because I had to keep that a secret from her until I was better, um, having to now explain the bags and everything was very tough. Yeah, it's really hard because older people, if they haven't really been through anything, they, they don't understand it. Like even my grandparents, when I was explaining it to them, I mean, they've been so fortunate. They've never been ill. They've never had major surgery. And they're like in their 80s. And, you know, when I had my stoma, I was 27. And I was having to tell them that I was going to have this surgery. And they just couldn't understand why. They just were like, what? That's something for only like really old people. I don't yeah. get why you're, why you're having it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, actually, young people do have this, like, You've been very fortunate. You've never had to have anything yeah. done. But, you know, like young, very younger people out there who are very sick and unwell. Yeah. And I it's think just, it's sad. It is really sad. And that's the thing. Like, it's just one of those things that, you know, I don't know. It's not It's not ever spoken about enough, which is why I kind of do this podcast. So we can mm-hmm. kind of share these these types of stories and kind of get them out there because you don't really read about read about these stories every day. No, not at all. And it's like, when uh, I found about your podcast, I was so grateful that someone was actually speaking about stoma life because it's so rare that someone has something, a podcast dedicated to people with different ostomies and different stories and everything else. Well, I hope you've enjoyed being a part yes. of this. Yes, so, definitely. So coming on board. Um, yes. Running out of time on my Zoom. No, but, no problem. <laughs> but it's been so lovely to chat to you. And yeah, uh, same here. I, lovely weekend and you too I will try and get this podcast up probably by next week or something I will edit and then I will share it with you all right awesome thank you so much it was great meeting with you and great talking with you and you take care bye you too bye